This is why Small Business Matters from Northumbria University, supporting small businesses with the Help to Grow Management Programme. So hello and welcome to Why Small Business Matters, the podcast that provides a platform for successful business leaders to tell their stories, offer advice and unravel what it means to be a successful SME. Today I'm joined by recruitment entrepreneur and group CEO Steve Rawlingson. I didn't know what I was doing, but I just thought, I I know I can make a bit of money here. Um, and that business ended up having 40 people working for it and it was making me a lot of money and I was kind of like, Jesus, this is this is amazing. Steve founded Samuel Knight, a specialist renewable energy and sustainable transportation recruitment business in 2014 from a single-person office in Newcastle. Fast forward to 2023 and Samuel Knight employs over 100 consultants with offices throughout the UK, USA and Middle East. Steve's mission is to help build a greener and more environmentally friendly world by working with his global community Community to achieve zero carbon emissions by 2050. Having had success with his own businesses, Steve is now committed to helping those starting out with their own journeys. Steve, welcome. Thank you very much, Sarah. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. That was some introduction, that mind. Some introduction, I know. Um, today we're asking the question, and hopefully you can provide some insight on this, are small business owners necessarily entrepreneurs? Hmm. Yes, I believe they are, yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if you have taken that risk from stepping out of the world of being employed and either being self-employed or becoming an employee, an employer, um, an employee, sorry, um, then yeah, I definitely think that you've, uh, you've, you've, you've broken into the world of uh, being an entrepreneur. It, it it depends, doesn't it? Because what do you, how do you define an entrepreneur? Because I, I think I said this when we first started talking. For the first five years of Samuel Knight, I didn't even class myself as an entrepreneur. I just classed myself as somebody that, you know, wanted to build my own my own company that I was proud to work for and other people would be proud to work for. I didn't sit and think, oh, you know, I'm the next Alan Sugar or anything like that. So let's rewind 30 years. Tell me a little bit about your early days when you were at school. Did you ever envisage setting up a business like this growing up at school I was I was in the top sets for everything at school but then when I got into high school I got in with the wrong crowd and typical teenagers started bumping up bunking off school um not not really concentrating in class and then I started fighting and um and I got expelled from uh I got expelled from two schools and then at that point, I had to go and my um, my parents split up and uh, I had to go and live with my my granddad um, for, for a short time while my dad sorted a house out. And that's the name Samuel Knight is Samuel is my granddad and he's like my knight in shining army. And at that moment of being close to my granddad discipline and structure came into my life um and and that's when things started to change for me so he was a big part of my life but at that stage I'd already kind of messed up my schooling and where I grew up in um, Stoke-on-Trent it wasn't really um it wasn't really pushed on you to go to university it was I mean I'm 40 you know I'm talking late 80s early 90s it was kind of pushed on you that if you finish school with two GCSEs, you've done an all right job, but you're going working in the pot banks or you're becoming a bus driver or you're going in the army um, or working in like industrial. Um, and that just that just wasn't me. I always knew, I'm, and, and, and this is really strange, 
in my gut and in my mind, even as a, a 14 year old, I knew that something, I knew, this sounds arrogant, but I knew I was destined for something else. I knew I, was, I wasn't going to be in Stoke. I knew that my life was going to go on an adventure. Um, and it just something said, it's okay. I know I'm going to be, I know I'm going to be somebody. I know that one day I'm going to build something. Um, and that stayed with me from a 14 year old. And, I, and my own, my dad actually turns around to me and he says, son, it's really strange. When you got expelled from that second school, you used to say to me, it's okay, dad, because I'm going to build a multi-million pound company and I'm going to take care of everybody. And he was like, and now as a 68 year old man, he sits there and he's like, how did you, what was it that you, like, what did you see at 14 to be able to say that to me? And I, I can't even answer it. I don't know the answer. Just something told me that I was destined for something more than just living in Stoke, being a bus driver and having a shit life. That just wasn't going to be me. I left home at 17. I left my, um, from living with my dad and I got on a plane with no money on my pocket and moved to Ibiza. Uh, I saw an advert in the paper saying live and work in Ibiza. And I wanted to be a paratrooper, but my dad wouldn't sign me into the army. So what I thought was, right, I'll go to Ibiza, I'll do a year in Ibiza, and then I'll come back and I'll sign myself in the army and then I'll become a paratrooper and go and live an amazing life, traveling the world, jumping out of airplanes. Sounded great. Again, nothing goes to plan because I moved to Ibiza, started earning good money. And um, I thought, actually, this is amazing. Set up a business um, where I was the first individual to see an opportunity with the nightclubs to, um, rather than people landing in the island and going to the nightclubs, I went to the nightclubs, bought these um, tickets in bulk, went on the streets of San Antonio and sold these tickets to people with a margin on it. I didn't know what I was doing, but I just thought, I know I can make a bit of money here. Um, and that business ended up having 40 people working for it. And it was making me a lot of money. And I was kind of like, Jesus, this is this is amazing. Um, and then the the kid's mom, um, who um, sadly passed away um, not so long ago, she fell pregnant with my son. And um, I thought, well, I can't, I can't, I can't just leave. I, I'd only been with my, my the, the mother of my children for four months and I thought well I can't leave it on her own that's not that's not a very good trait um so I came back to Newcastle and thought right well I'll give it a go so I passed on that business and got a little bit of money for it moved back to Newcastle and then at that point fell into I went for an interview with a recruitment company to get a job um with one of their clients and the MD turned around and he said oh have you ever thought about doing your recruitment yourself and I was only 22 I'd had no education um I hadn't even used a PC, you know, it, in my school, they didn't have PC. Like, well, they, I think they had about three PCs, but I was always bunking off. So I never got to go on them PCs. So I got into business and there was this PC there and I was like, oh my God, like, what, how, how am I going to work? Like, what is this? I'd obviously seen one, but I didn't know how work it. The, the last time I'd played on a PC was an Amstrad CP64 and it was playing on Batman, you know, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, you need to do an email. I'm thinking, what the hell? But I had a natural ability to talk to people because I just, I am who I am. I, there's no fakeness with me. I don't try and pretend to be something I'm not. So when I start calling companies and, I, um, and I'm talking to them about engineering recruitment and I'm just coming across like I am now, sincere, I'd learned, I didn't know much about the industry. So I did go to the library and start learning about machines and PLCs and 
um, robots and whatnot. And that helped me, but also interviewing candidates helped me and grew my mind. And within 12 months, I became one of the highest billers within within this business. Uh, within eight years, I'd gone from a trainee recruiter up to a director of that business because I worked really, really, really hard. I had to. I had a young, I had a baby boy um, who's now 19. He wasn't a baby. Um, but I had my son who I knew that if I failed and I didn't keep this good job that was paying me a basic salary at the time of about 15 grand, I, I'm going to let my son down and I'm going to let my partner down. Um, and then my daughter came along. And I was like, shit, now, now I really need to work. But so I did, I really, really worked. And then from that, you know, I just grew and grew and grew. So that I'm not from Newcastle, it is my home. And I, I look at it as my home now, I've been here for nearly 20 years. Um, grew up in Stoke-on-Trent, didn't really do much at school, but I knew I could have if, I, if I'd have just, um, if I'd have just like, put myself into it and just accelerated in, in, in education. But I just, you know, typical teenager just fell in with a bunch of idiots and quite, but quite quickly before I started moving into adult, like into adulthood came out of that through my granddad, Samuel, um, and just, you know, created a, a strong work ethic for myself. And, and if I'm honest for the, for the last, well, I've been in the industry now for 20 years, I would probably say for them first 10 years, it was like a 10-year hard-working apprenticeship. I was the first in the office. I was last out the office, and I just grafted every single day. I would sit and watch people doing the basic minimum, 9 till 5, and I would be in that office at 7 o'clock in the morning. I wouldn't be leaving until 7 o'clock at night. And Saturdays, I was grafting. Sundays, I was reading. So I just worked really, really hard. That's what I did. I think that's a really nice sum-up of you know entrepreneurship, really. It's that mindset growth, risk and change, isn't it, that really brings it. Tell me about your product solutions, because they're fairly niche, aren't they, the, the industry that you work in. And I want to understand a little bit more about the importance of reputation in your industry and, and, and things. Okay, so when, um, when I started Samuel Knight in 2014, the plan was, again, if someone, everyone can sit there now and look at Samuel Knight as this, you know, this scaling, growing business with, as you say, offices all around the world 35 million in sales but that was never my plan was never to that, that wasn't like I came into the business I started this business with this is going to be huge it was kind of like right I'm going to build a company that I want to work for so we when I set the business up it purely specialized in renewable energy and essentially what we do is we supply project engineering and construction solutions to some of the most innovative renewable energy projects around the world um <clears throat> That when you start that business, obviously people know that they know you as an individual because I've been in the industry for so long, but it, it, the, the reputation for the business wasn't essentially there. But I, I think I underestimated pretty much how, how my reputation was going to carry this business forward because quite quickly the business within two years had done nearly two and a half million in sales. So my mindset of actually, you know, this isn't going to be a small business. This could potentially be, you know, a, a 20, 30 man business. Um, and then year two, it went from 2 million in sales to 10 million in sales. So as I'm scaling the sales function, I'm having to hire more people to support me with the growth of the the, the business. And 
if I'm honest, for the first two, three years, it just came down to my reputation. But then the individuals that had hired, they were also getting their own reputation within the market sector. And then the business started getting an economy of scale as, as marketing start, as marketing improved. Everything kind of just improved through me just being open to the growth of the business and being supported by by mentors but essentially the business has never ever changed so we're just really good at one thing and that one thing is supplying recruitment and project um, solutions to renewable energy projects it started in the emea region and then in 2019 in the middle of the pandemic we launched in the us and um, that business now is nearly the same size as the uk business and and you know again it, it's just it's scaling and it's growing. So our, our our functions that we operate across are engineering, construction, and technology, and that's working with utilities, developers, EPCs, operators, um, uh, and and construction companies that are essentially building either wind farms, solar farms, onshore and offshore for the wind, solar farms, hydro, um, or battery storage, and. It doesn't matter what gets thrown at as the uh, the level of adversity from the top down is if I'm calm, everybody else is calm and you'll never see me not calm, if I'm honest. I just I just go with it. We'll talk a little bit about leadership in a sec, but I just yeah. wondered, you talk about growing markets, but, you know, it's not always easy to enter new markets, is it? So tell me a little bit about how you managed to expand in the in the US and and why you went there in the first place. 2019, just before the lockdown came in, we'd I'd done a business trip over to Atlanta and social media obviously played a big part and I was launching in the US and a client reached out to me and said, we didn't realise that Samuel Knight was operating in the US. And at that time, I've, I've always been a great believer in, in saying yes and just taking a challenge. And uh, I, I turned around and I said, oh, yeah, we are in the US. We, we weren't, but <laughs> I said we were. And um, he uh, he turned around and he said, oh, great, we've got a business over there that's, um, that's hiring significantly at the minute and we're struggling to, to find somebody to partner with to hire senior vice presidents of um, construction. So I looked at it, I looked at the the opportunities and um, it, it's funny, the story was that um, about six months before we'd raised institutional investment and the investors turned around and said, listen, let's just build out the EMEA business and launch in the US when we're ready and we'll do it the right way. Um, I'm not one to be told what to do. Um, the institutional investor only owns 15%. So I was like, okay, yeah. And, and and at that time, I wasn't looking at the US. We were going over to Atlanta to have a conversation with a client that we were working with in a different part of the world. It was just that their head office was in Atlanta. Anyway, back to um, this client. So this client that we've worked with for quite a few years turned around and said, look, we need these VPs of construction. And within two weeks of him actually giving us these roles, um, myself and the team had placed one of them that was a very senior-based position. And um, the revenue attached to that was significant. Um, and it took us two weeks to place that position. And the client had turned around and said, wow, you're, however you've done this, it's completely different to how the US, um, the US market usually runs. So... They, they'd actually put these this work out with another recruitment firm and they were four four months into their process and it was still not placed. And then we come along as the new boys on the block and we placed the position in two weeks. Um, 
So the client gave us more work. And uh, and at that time, obviously, I had to go to my finance team and say, okay, guys, um, we're generating revenue in the USA. And I remember my FD and my CFO turning around and saying, we don't even have an entity in the USA. We don't even have a bank account in the USA. And I turned around and said, it's okay. I'll jump on a plane and head over to Chicago and we'll go and open one. So that's what I did. <laughs> we just jumped on a plane, went to Chicago, opened up an office, opened, opened up the entity um, and had a lot of a lot of people around that we didn't really know how we were doing it, but we knew we would end up doing it. Um, and you don't know what you don't know. So you just ask questions. And I just reached out to my network and was like, Luke, this is the situation. We're generating revenue in the US. Can you support us? Can you help us? And they were like, yeah, come and meet us when you're here. Um, and that's what we did. And then within, I think within about eight weeks, the business was set up. We had a bank account and, um, and th that was that was kind of like the, the the start of it, and then it just it just started scaling, but, but not um, not exponentially. It was scaling nice, uh, it, you know. It was there wasn't much risk attached to it because there was no associated costs with the work that we were doing. It was just basic recruitment for a client using our community and our network from around the world. In the middle of the lockdown. Um, our UK business had started plateauing. Um, it, it basically turned around, the government turned around and put everybody in lockdown. And it was quite difficult to get exemption from that lockdown. For, for all of his wrongs, Donald Trump had turned around and said, Luke, you know, anybody who works in this market, you can you can carry on working. Um, and, and the client we were working with had quite a few wind farms that needed some project solutions. So we took that work on and um, I think within seven months of trading in the USA, we generated $10.4 million worth of revenue. And that was all through COVID. So while we knew that COVID was going to play a big part in it, it was going to potentially hurt the business. Again, I kept calm. You know, I didn't, I, I didn't sit and say, you know, we're in trouble here or anything. That's just not my mindset. I said, whatever happens, we'll, we'll get through it and we'll safeguard everybody's jobs. And, the, the the actual plan wasn't to scale and grow in in that middle of that lockdown it was just to you know let's just keep doing what we're doing everything will be fine um and um, if we can grow great but if we don't it's not it's it's not the end of the world and by the end of the by the end of the um by the end of the year i think we'd grown by nearly 48 percent um and opened up an, a, a brand new um a brand new business and and that was essentially how we got into the US, if I'm honest. It was taking that risk. Again, entrepreneurs, they're not they're not scared of anything, are they? I get people turn around to me and say, does anything scare you? And I'm like, not really, no, because I did a podcast a few weeks back and my mindset is that, look, everything, it doesn't matter how hard it feels like when you're in a storm. You've got two different kinds of mindsets, haven't you? You either run away from it as quick as you can, as I said, or you run towards it and you get through it as quick as you can. And everything is usually okay anyway. Whatever whatever you feel you're going through at that point, you know, as an entrepreneur, your 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 job is to to get through them storms and keep everybody calm as a leader. Um, and if I'm doing that and the leadership team are underneath me doing the same thing, then everything is going to be okay. Um, and that's essentially how we ended up breaking the US. And now, like I say, you know, it's a... It's nearly this. Well, it, it, it's going to be the same size by the end of this year. It will be this, the same size, same revenue streams as uh, the UK business that's been going for nearly 10 years. I love that calm mindset 
that attitude that just let's just do it, let's try it, see how it goes, take the opportunity. Well, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, does it? You're not, I mean, at the end of the day, he's still winning anyway. It doesn't matter if it doesn't work. It doesn't matter if, you know, it fails. At least you can say that you tried it and, you know, at the end of the day, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I want to talk a little bit about your your mission. You, you said you had a clear vision for a business that you wanted to work in. And, and I think you've stated that your mission is to build a greener, more environmentally friendly world by working with the global community. Um, global emissions, sustainability, buzzwords of the moment. Um, how much does sustainable development goals impact on your business? I, I mean, we so we can... Yeah, well, we KPRI business. We the KPIs that we run through the business are not based on typical revenue streams or how many staff we're employing. We KPI the business on how many megawatts of renewable energy we're generating or we've been involved in. So, if um, each year we want to grow that by at least twenty to thirty percent, for every um, for every pound that we make within the business, we plant a tree. Um, we've partnered with so many different charities and so many different organizations that, you know, we want to, we don't just want to be one of these businesses that is, is offering our services to the industry and not doing anything else. Um, because there's much more that we could do as a business. Um, so partnering with these partnering with companies that are heavily involved in, in in making an impact in the environment and, and working towards zero carbon emissions. That that falls directly in line with our values. And um, as I say, for every pound we make, we play we plant a tree and we KPI the business on 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 megawatts. We're actually into gigawatts now. So we're we're past the point of of measuring the business on on megawatts. We're actually into I think last year we generate we were responsible. Samuel Knight as a whole were responsible for operating and constructing nearly four point seven gigawatts of renewable power. And this year we want to try and grow that by at least twenty percent. When we looked into the um, and analyze the business by half year, we were on par to reach five gigawatts. So it's it's growing every single year. We're basing our growth on what impact we're having on the environment and what impact we're having to reach that zero carbon emissions. So yeah, it's a big it's it's a big part for uh, for the business. You've talked a lot about growth of your business, but I'm I'm also interested to understand your own growth as a leader and. Uh, I, th- I think you've already taken some steps in your own self-development, de- haven't you? Can you tell me about some of the programmes that you've been on recently and, and how you're really, you know, pursuing that goal to develop yourself? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, I- I've never stopped self-developing. Um, from the moment I got into business, I was quite lucky with the company I worked for. Um, they invested quite heavily in in myself and my career and that never stopped. Um and then same again when I went to work for the the entrepreneur, um, invested heavily in me, and um, and I invested heavily in myself to self develop. Um, no no formal qualifications at that stage, but just like general courses within business and um, general leadership training and whatnot. Um, then I went for work for the other big corporate again. Um, you know. A lot of self development there, not so much investment as me individual as a as an individual. But then, about two years ago, I knew the business was at a point where I needed to grow my mindset because, again, if you haven't done it, and then and you don't know what you don't know, 
Um, so, you know, it probably started in 2018. I knew I needed to refinance the business and raise some equity because I'd been funding the business myself. But how do you do that if you don't know how to do it? Um, so I bought loads of books from Harvard in terms of understanding different um, finance, different um, levels of, of investment and how to understand finance and how to understand P and profits and loss accounts and balance sheets and um, worked closely with my finance team. And they couldn't get their head around why I wanted to know this because it's kind of like, look, you don't have to know this because you employ us to do this. And it was kind of like, mm, I didn't really want to show my card of I'm, I'm going to go for raise investment. So for about six months, I just learned um, everything I could about raising institutional investment. I read a great book um, called What Harvard Doesn't Teach You. And um, I just studied the finance element of everything to do with business. And um, humans have a real good um eye for um copying and mirroring when you're you know when you become a chameleon or whatever and you just you just end up following that trait and um and that's essentially what happened so yeah you know i'm still i'm never gonna stop learning because i think at that moment that you stop learning you become complacent and complacency isn't going to get you anywhere if anything you you know you're gonna end up going backwards so um yeah just keep growing keep going I think it's about giving people those opportunities, isn't it? And I think at the moment with issues around recruitment and retention um, and getting people back in the office, actually, that's a really good incentive, having a gym and a, an instructor actually on hand. Definitely, I agree. You're listening to Why Small Business Matters. Find out how Northumbria University can help your business thrive through the Help to Grow Management Programme. Delivered by leading small business and enterprise experts from Northumbria University with the support of leading figures from industry and experienced entrepreneurs. The programme supports senior managers of small and medium-sized businesses to boost their business's performance, resilience and long-term growth. The 12-week programme is 90% funded by the government and the fee payable by participants is £750 and has been designed to allow participants to complete it alongside full-time work. The in-depth, high-quality curriculum supports you to build your capabilities in leadership, innovation, digital adoption, employee engagement, marketing, responsible business and financial management. By the end of the programme, you'll develop a business growth plan to help you lead your business to realise its potential. To find out more about the programme, the modules, eligibility and fees and delivery dates, go to northumbria.ac.uk slash help to grow. You're listening to Why Small Business Matters. I'm Sarah Stevenson, and today I'm talking to CEO Steve Rawlingson of Samuel Knight. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the stuff you do outside of work. So um, I know you're a busy man, you're a, um, a single parent to two children, um, but you're also involved in charity and um, and philanthropy. And I, and I think that's something I'd like to talk to you about and really find out a bit more about. Okay, um, so I've been involved in the CEO Sleepout, which is run by Bianca Robinson. And again, the charities that we choose have to be in line with with the values of, of Samuel Knight. And we are, again, we're, we're passionate about giving back to the local community. Um, so every Christmas, the charities that we run is every Christmas we choose um, in the Newcastle region we choose a charity of choice to um, to raise money for, for, for the children to make sure that they've got um, presents at 
Christmas time. Um, so we support um, local care homes uh, last year. This year, I believe we have chosen um, feed, feed the Families. Um, and we do a lot of work around the Christmas time where we try and raise as much money as we possibly can through different events um, to give back to everybody, basically kids and families um, that are less fortunate. So that's not, that's the first one. Second one, I've been involved in the CEO sleep out with Bianca Robinson, as I was saying. Um, and for, I'm coming up to my 10th um, CEO sleep out um, that, that, that charity does some unbelievable work for the local region um, in terms of um, the money that's raised you can actually see where that money goes to people who, again, are less fortunate and maybe have fallen hard times and um, they're without a home. And I, I'm a great believer in no one in today's world should be w without a home or without a bed or without a, a warm meal. So um, on average, most most years, um, just in throughout the, the Newcastle region, I believe Bianca raises north of £60,000 um, for one night. But as a whole, that charity is raising, I would say, close to half a million a year now. Um, and you can see where that money goes. It goes back into the the local communities throughout northeast, northwest, midlands, southeast, southwest. She does it all over the UK. Fantastic charity. Um, and um, this year I was honoured to be made an ambassador of the CEO Sleepout. Um, so becoming a spokesperson for that charity, I'm an ambassador for the Prince's Trust and I have been since 2017. So that's working with, again, uh, children and teenagers that maybe are, are involved in um, gangs or crime and, and just trying to say, look, you know, that you've got two choices in life. You can either go down that route that you're going and there's only one way you're going to end up there or you can channel all of the adversity that's happened to you throughout your life and you can channel that in a different way and and have more of a positive life and we work with them and um help them with um like what apprenticeships are coming up and kind of structure like a, a path for them to if you do this 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 while you're at school and knuckle down the chances are you'll be able to get onto an apprenticeship scheme with Siemens Energy, Network Rail, National Grid, wh whoever's doing apprenticeships. And that gives you a clear path to, you know, having having a career. And when you've got a career, it gives you opportunities, you know, it, it just because, again, I don't want to sound like I, I can just take adversity, but, you know, adversity in my mind you can either sit there and just take it and get beaten up or you can or you can channel it in different ways and really push yourself forward and some of these teenagers you know they've they've had it rough and but but when they've got someone there who's saying look i know how you feel you know i grew up in one of the you know roughest areas in the midlands and you know i've, I've never been arrested I'm, I'm, i haven't been in prison and you know and i'm trying to educate them on saying look there's a different path that you can take here um and then many other charities as well you know we, we, i always see charities popping up in the office for someone doing the great north run or they're doing a, a, a bake-off or anything for local charities and i think again it starts at the top doesn't it and if and if everybody at senior management and samuel night is a big believer in giving back then everybody underneath them if we hire the right people that based on values have the same values as me has the same values as the the senior management and they want to give back to the local community so we're always going to be like that and would i be where i am today if someone if then people hadn't have supported me and helped me probably not no so it's it's kind of like pass the baton on isn't it if someone did it for me then you know do it back
You talked previously about when you had a mentor, when you you were really understanding about what business was. Yeah. Um, well, do, you, do you do any mentoring yourself at the moment within business? I do. Um, I'm currently mentoring five five um, CEOs, entrepreneurs of businesses of all shapes and sizes. So I'm mentoring a an amazing lady who set up a healthcare company. Um, that business is scaling and growing nicely. Mentoring a waste management uh, a waste management lady who has just gone through an exit through some of the mentoring that I've been giving her. I've been a mentor for a black community social media platform that aspirations are to get a million black graduates into full-time education. And that business, when I first started mentoring, was a one-man band and it now employs north of 50 people. Um, I'm also mentoring someone who has a clothing company and I'm mentoring someone who has a tech company. So all different shapes and sizes. And But the mentors that I work with now, it's I still want to keep that element of risk. This is what I say to him. I want to understand how I get from A to B with this level of financial control and what am I going to need to get to that next stage. Um, And then I obviously get mentored around growing and developing a bigger management team because if we're going to, you know, if we're going to take over the world in terms of renewable energy staffing, then I need to keep growing individuals and leaders within the organization because to grow the business, you've got to grow leaders. Um, so yeah, it's it's just a different kind of mentoring now. Obviously, self-developing, you learn a lot from self-developing. I've learned a lot from the MBA. I'm learning a lot from my masters. Um, so you got to, you can't just expect other people to, to, to reach out and help you. You've got to be able to help yourself as well. But I think mentoring has played a big part in, in my life. And if I can add something back to a business owner or an an entrepreneur or someone who's thinking about starting a business, there's definitely things that I can support them and help them with in terms of what that looks like and how to get from this starting point to this point. Um, And yeah, I think it's, I think it's good that I can do that. I love that generosity of, it's almost like a feedback loop, isn't it? Mentoring, particularly in the region. I think that's really great that you can be there as a sounding board for other people, but actually you're still reaching out to your informal network who provide that really important uh, confidence, I suppose, isn't it? When, you, when you're looking perhaps to move forward. The business is nearly 10 years old, Steve. What what are your next steps? Uh, are you planning on an exit? What's uh, What are you lining up for the future? The answer is yes, obviously, um, because the one thing that I always said was at the point of me not adding benefit to Samuel Knight is the point that I need to step aside and move into more of a, a chairman role and, and look for that next leader of the business. We've just hired a COO um, who has 25 years industry experience. He joins the business on the 6th of November. Um, he's worked in some of the best, well, one of the biggest recruitment companies over the last decade. And he was a key figure in growing that business to 250 million in sales. Um, so the answer is yes, obviously there is going to get a point where I'm not, I'm not the person to lead the business, but right now I am that person. I still am the person to lead the business. So what's next is, to carry on scaling out the US operations. Um, obviously, North America is such, you know, it's it's so different in size from the UK. 
Um, again, it's like comparing night and day. And there's some big challenges over there over the next five to two to five years, I would say. Just on the onshore side, there's about 80 gigawatts of pre-construction power. And then on the offshore side, there's probably another 60 gigawatts of pre-construction power. So that that ultimately has challenges around um, project manpower solutions and hiring. And that's where we come in to partner with our clients. Um, again, as I was saying before, when you're when you're growing or you think about developing or growing a certain project, there's three things that you always think about. And it's number one, have we got the manpower and the resources to deliver to this project? Number two, can we actually fund it and finance it? And number three, can we control the risk element around that project? And that's where we partner with our clients to support them, one, on the 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 manpower resources and the recruitment element, um, and then around that that risk appetite the, the risk element around that project is we ensure and we, we ensure every bit of work that we go on we ensure it through our own insurance so it gi it gives them confidence there's just so much work in north america so next on the line keep growing out dallas um scale out boston which is where the offshore wind work is going to be and that's due to probably start scaling very quickly and at the end of q1 next year and it probably in fact, not probably, it will be a significant uh, revenue um, stream for Samuel Knight USA for probably the next five years. Um, and then we'll probably go and look to um, scale out and grow um, our new location in California. We're not too sure on that one yet. Um, and then in the EMEA business, um, that that business is, as you, as you say, it's nearly 10 years old now. It's getting good economy of scale. It's hiring good people training him, retaining him and, and scaling that side of the business. And then ultimately, I'm sure the um, senior management team will probably want to look to open up a, a location in the APAC region. So we're, yes, we're 10 years old, but if I'm honest, it feels, it feels like we're just one or two years old and we've got every year. It's just, it's just a different number that you're, you're kind of negotiating with because obviously as, as, um, senior management or as shareholders of the business we're not a charity at the end of the day we're in business to build a great company that my aspirations are to build one of the best companies to work for in the world um and that is profitable so we can keep investing in a staff we can keep investing in emerging market sectors and, and and ultimately become a dominant force in our market sector so there's there's lots and lots of big plans right now um and to answer your question an exit, I think, at the minute, that's probably the last thing on my mind. But it will happen eventually when uh, when the business becomes a beast. And it just needs someone to operate it and not build it. So a bit too early for the moment. I'm intrigued. I mean, I'm, I'm blown away by the scale of what's happening. But I just wondered whether, you know, us in the UK and the messaging from government currently about, you know, perhaps drawing back from the plans... Um, to go as fast as as many of us would hope. Um, but it seems as though things are full steam ahead in the US in terms of um, implementation, construction for new energy markets. What? Um, how does that sit with you? I mean, do, do you see that in the UK? Are things slowing down or are, are projects still going ahead? That's a good question. Um, look, the government have their own um, their own view on using fossil fuels or renewable energy resources. Um, 
it, it, projects haven't slowed down yet. There is a lot of um, there's there's funds that have been pulled from some of the sustainable transportation projects. I saw the last week that they've pulled the funding on the um, HS2. And then a few weeks before that, I saw that they were looking at releasing some oil and gas licenses to start um, exploration again. Um, there'll be a, there'll be a reason why the government have said that. Um, it's really easy to just keep doing what you're doing, isn't it? Um, you know, why change something if it isn't broken is their mind because they can't, they don't feel like they can see climate change or climate damage. And you have all these people on the internet and scaremongering saying, oh, it's not, there's no climate change. There's no climate damage or anything. Well, there is. It's fact. It is happening. And it's just because you can't see it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not happening. And in a hundred years time, if we don't make a change, then obviously they're going to see the damage that it's caused. Probably not the, the individuals that are running the country now, but definitely their children's children will see the damage that we've caused. And that's what sits in the back of my mind. But yeah, in America is full steam ahead. And, you know, they're, they're big believers in, um, in becoming um, carbon neutral by 2030. Um, obviously, the, our government just, as I say, now and again, they'll just swap the, they'll, they'll just swap the minds. <laughs> it is what it is. We'll move. We'll move on to lighter ground, maybe. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I might. We, I, might we... have, I might. I might end up offending people. <laughs> um, we've talked a lot about the mindset of entrepreneurs, and, and particularly, um, you know, your own. And you're starting. You've started your own podcast as well. So, I'd like to really understand what you're trying to explore. Because, well, tell us a little bit about it. I believe it's called Unlock Your Mindset. So it's called Unlock Your Mindset. And um, part of my findings through my master's is that entrepreneurs and successful people have an element of each one of the quadrants. So IQ, SQ, AQ and EQ. And what's really interesting over the last two months of interviewing some of the region's most successful entrepreneurs. And the next series is going to go over to, um, I'm going to take it global and start interviewing some people from the US. What's really interesting is that every single entrepreneur or successful individual that I've interviewed has a really, really high level of EQ and a really, really high level of AQ. So that level, that ability to deal with adversity and that ability to understand people and to get the best out of people. And they're the people that can make a difference to the world. They're the people that tend to go out there and take risks. Because if if I'd had, my, my, and I, I, can, I can hand on heart say that this is the exact same with me. I know that I have a really high level of emotional intelligence. Whatever gets thrown at me, I'm I'm still smiling. I'm still happy because as a you know, as I always say, I'm on the winning side anyway. You know, I broke my hand on uh on Sunday by falling over. And on Monday, I'm still in the gym, I'm still climbing my mountain, I'm still pushing forward, and I'm still smiling. Um so and I think that ability to to deal with adversity, and that is one of the traits that I've seen quite clearly through my series one um of Unlock Your Mindset is that People, the individuals that I'm talking about are the game changers that can just, they can just deal with whatever gets thrown at them because they get it. They just get it. You know, business is hard. Life is hard. If you've got a really high level of IQ, and I can, I can, I can say this because my CFO is one of the most intelligent people, one of the most intelligent men I've ever met. And um, 
He's got a really, really high level of IQ, but a below average level of EQ. He just doesn't get people. He says things. He doesn't mean to 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 say things to offend people. He just it's just the way that his DNA works. If he because he's so intelligent, he analyzes every single risk before he takes a jump. Whereas my level of IQ is probably just normal, if I'm honest. And so I don't overanalyze everything, anything. If I see an opportunity, I don't think with my brain. I think with my gut and I go with what I feel feels right. And if it feels right to me, I go for it. And if it, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I'm not bothered. I'm not analyzing it and go, if I do this and I and that doesn't work, I'm going to lose my house. You know, I took a big risk with setting Samuel Knight up and I'd worked away, walked away from a job that was paying me six figures in salary as a 28-year-old man with share options and a nice company car. I, I was set. I was set. And people who I said I'm leaving to go and set up Samuel Knight, they couldn't believe what I was doing. They were like, you're the youngest managing director in this three and a half billion pound company. You're on this amount of money. You've got these share options. They literally... The, the, the ground you walk on, they, you can't do any wrong. You're going to grow. By 65, you'll have an amazing pension. That's not me. I didn't want that. It wasn't getting challenged, and I thought, this isn't me. So I walked away. I didn't analyze anything. I walked away. I didn't pay myself a salary for two years, and I grew a great company. So my, my, my podcast is all about giving back to people who will listen to it around the adversity of being able to deal with things is that you the emotional intelligence do you understand people and can you get the best out of people because no business can grow when it's on your own fact so you have to be able to empathize sympathize be sympathetic and and, and drive and push people forward because because that's what an entrepreneur is if you're thinking about starting up a business then it, it doesn't matter if it's small business or a medium-sized business or a large-sized business, if you can't get people to come on that journey with you, because that's your job, you have to inspire people to want to create that fellowship, to come with you on this journey that you that you want to go on. And if you can't do that, then you're not going to get very far. The social element is being able to, I think it's really important, do you have a best friend? And if you don't have a best friend, you have to think, why don't I have a best friend? So that social element is, you know, have I developed and grown relationships throughout my life? that are still there and they're based on mutual respect, support and, and care and love. Um, and, and then on the flip side of that, you can look at it in a business point of view and go, do can I can I create a long-term relationships with my client, with my with my clients, with my community that I know they're they're gonna want to work with me for two, three, five, 10, 20, 30 years. Cause if you haven't, then that's something else that's really difficult to you can't teach that. You've got to have these things. And then finally is the IQ. You know, I, I'm not saying that individuals, most entrepreneurs or CEOs don't have a high level of IQ because they do. I know I'm not, I'm I know I'm not below average and I know I'm not above average, but I know I'm, I'm, my IQ is of, of, of good stance. I, I'd consider myself an intelligent guy and the university would, cause obviously I'm on par for a distinction now. So I know I'm not thick, but I, I also know what I'm really, really good at. And my EQ and AQ is off the scale and everybody I've interviewed is exactly the same. So my podcast is about giving back. People can listen and understand what your, what mindset you need to have to be successful. And the opening line is, if you focus on shit, shit grows. 
If you focus on positivity, then everything else in your life will be positive. And you've got two choices as humans. We're in control of our emotions. Do you want to go down that route of saying today's going to be a really, really bad day? Because I bet my bottom dollar, if you say that the moment you wake up, you're having a bad day. Or do you want to wake up, brush off yesterday and go, today's going to be an absolute awesome day and I'm going for it. No matter what gets thrown at me today, I'm having it off. I'm going for it. And that's the shit that makes a difference. That's what makes a difference. That's where my mind, that's where my podcast is. So I think we've answered our question then, haven't we? Are small business owners entrepreneurs? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, quite, I'm quite passionate about, I'm quite passionate about the mindset because I, I read so many books and so many, and, and I do obviously, you know, I'm quite spiritual as, as I said before, and I'm, you know, and I focus on my manifestations and my affirmations and I'm grateful and I'm humbled and I like, I, I'm, I'm so like, you know, I'm so down to earth and my feet's on the ground with where I am and who I am as an individual today. But I know that it's my mindset that helps me to, to push forward and to break through barriers that maybe some people would just struggle with. You can eat, you can look at it. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's raining. There's a sun there somewhere. So that's how I look at things. Well, I think that's a really good note to leave on there, Steve. Thank you very much indeed. Positivity and there's some sunshine out there somewhere. I like that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thanks, Claire. Cheers, thank you. Thanks to my guest, Steve Rawlingson of Samuel Knight. If you've enjoyed today's episode of Why Small Business Matters, find us on your podcast app of choice and explore some of our previous episodes. And don't forget to hit subscribe. This episode is brought to you by the Help to Grow Management team at Northumbria University. If you'd like to find out more how Help to Grow Management can grow your business, please go to northumbria.ac.uk forward slash help to grow. Hold up. 